Welcome to Wear Who You Are, a podcast that takes the fear out of fashion and holds space for everyone to explore how to connect your authenticity with your personal style. I'm your host, Natalie Tincher, founder of BU Style, expert style strategist, and your enthusiastic friend and safe space of support. I believe that every person has a style and every style deserves a seat. With over a decade of experience working with hundreds of personal clients, I've learned a thing or two about how to help others have a healthy and holistic approach to navigating how to build a wardrobe that reflects who you are. So pull up your seat and let's get started. Welcome back to another Wear Who You Are Wednesday. So we have a wonderful guest, Molly McKee Seabrook, and we're going to be talking about all things um, pumping, breastfeeding, and her clothing line that she started as a result of a need that she had through her process and experience. But before we get started with that, I want to open up the Enstylopedia and learn some fashion terminology to empower you with more knowledge. So as we're in the fall season with unpredictable weather, I want to talk about one of my favorite fabrics, and that fabric is a wool gabardine. You may have heard of it, and I'm going to tell you what it is. Wool gabardine is a type of woven fabric that's known for its distinctive diagonal ribbed pattern. So that pattern is called a twill weave, that type of weaving. So as its name suggests, wool gabardine is primarily made of wool fibers, and this twill weave that I just mentioned creates a durable, sturdy, and finely textured material. So this unique weaving technique gives gabardine its characteristic appearance, and it makes it what I call a fabric hero. So a few additional merits of wool gabardine. It's incredibly versatile, and it can hold its shape well. It also has a natural resilience that allows it to resist wrinkles and creases, which is great for packing, and making it an ideal fabric choice for tailored garments like suits, trousers, skirts, and coats. So beyond its aesthetic qualities, wool gabardine also possesses practical attributes. So the wool fibers are naturally breathable and moisture wicking. So this helps us to regulate body temperature and keep you comfortable. Again, this makes gabardine suitable for both warmer and cooler seasons. So as it all comes back to aiming you with smart style strategies, wool gabardine is a great fabric choice for your all season investment pieces. So if you're looking for investment pieces, wool gabardine could be one of your fabrics of choice. Like for me last spring, I invested in a great pinstripe wool gabardine suit from one of my favorite independent brands, ADN. So it was a really strategic choice that's paid off for me because I could wear it all spring. Then I could wear it all summer in the cool San Diego evenings when I'm in San Diego. And now I'm easily layering it in new ways for the fall. So my cost per wear is dropping dramatically and quickly with that buy, in large part because I chose a fabric that works year-round. So welcome, Molly. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Um, So many of my clients you know, throughout our work and journey together, end up having children. And there's so many considerations when they're transitioning, going back to work. And truly one of them is like, what do I wear to pump? And that's like actually professional, that is functional, that is comfortable, that is all of the things. So I'm first bravo for starting this line and taking an idea and just being a doer. I think that's, we need more doers in the world. Yeah. I mean, I was just so surprised when I went back to work that there wasn't something already 
on the market. I know so many moms who pump at work and work in professional offices. I just could could not believe that there wasn't something already out there. So. Well, and I can attend when I've looked for clients going back, there's, you know, a lot of t-shirts or there, there's some things, but there's not truly professional wear, especially dresses. So I want to back up mm-hmm. and just start, you know, you mentioned how it came about, but I want to hear more of your story of going back to work and you're like, I'm pumping, like, tell me about it. Sure. So, um, I work uh, in a Maryland government office, and so it's very business formal, especially during the legislative session. So I went back to work after having my daughter um, six years ago and realized that, first of all, all the professional clothes in my closet didn't fit me in the way that they used to because my body had changed, even though I was roughly the same size of clothing. It just did not fit the same. And then also I would wear a dress and get to work and realize that I need to take this dress entirely off in order to pump or half off and then sit there half naked. And even though I did have access to a conference room, it's a really busy time. And I had a desktop computer, not a laptop at the time. So I installed a curtain in front of my desk instead of having to go down to the conference room to pump so that I could keep working, which you don't have to do, but that's what I wanted to do. That's what I felt comfortable doing. So I was behind a curtain, naked or half naked, pumping when legislators would be coming in or staff would be coming in. And inevitably, it was the men who were like, what's going on behind that curtain? What's happening? Just <laughs> People pumping. just could not mind their own business. <laughs> so thankfully, I had coworkers who, you know, would tackle people instead of them opening the curtain. And, you know, I had a sign up. But I felt comfortable. I felt most comfortable when I was pumping in clothes that were covering the majority of my body, both because I was cold if I had to take my entire dress off, but also in case somebody walked in on me. And even when I was behind a closed door, lots of people have keys to, you know, different conference rooms. I didn't feel comfortable sitting there exposed. And it certainly did not make for a relaxing pump session, (laughs) which increases your milk supply if you're relaxed and it decreases your milk supply if you're stressed. So um, it was just something that I felt like this cannot be the way to handle this. There has to be a better way. Um, And what I wore the majority of the time were black nursing t-shirts that I felt like could pass as professional enough if I was wearing, you know, professional pants and a blazer. But it's still my work uniform is, especially during the wintertime, is tights and boots and a professional dress and blazer. And all of a sudden, I couldn't wear my dresses because I they didn't provide pumping access. So I didn't feel like myself and I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And um, and then also was dealing with this like logistical challenge on top of it. Well, and it sounds like you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position, too, to if you're like completely exposed on top and you're in a professional mm-hmm. setting. So it's, it's I hear I'm hearing that. And then that part of your style that you could relate to, you completely lost the ability. You, you had to make a compromise, basically. You're either like, I have to hone in on my personal style, but I'm going to have to feel very vulnerable and put myself in a position that's with all of these like awkward considerations that I'm not comfortable with, mm-hmm. or I have to compromise my style in order to feel more comfortable. Right. So then what started yes. the sketches and then what made you actually say, I'm going to tackle this problem? 
So, um, so I had my first daughter six years ago. So when I went back to work initially, you know, I started Googling and couldn't believe that there wasn't anything on the market was trying to like figure out what to do and how to make my wardrobe work. And then two years later, I had my second daughter. And while I was on maternity leave and facing going back to work and pumping again, I was like, maybe somebody has invented something. (laughs) Maybe there's a new clothing line out there. I was Googling some more. And there really wasn't anything that I was looking for. And so while on maternity leave, I just kind of started sketching a little bit. Um, And then I think it was definitely before COVID hit that I went to the thrift store and I bought a couple of professional dresses and I tore them apart at the seams and then sewed in the pumping access that I was thinking of. And they weren't wearable. Like they didn't look good, (laughs) but they like... They were a rough prototype of what I was thinking about. And that's kind of how it started to move from this is just an idea in my head to this is a real thing that I think could practically work. Um, Because as you know, a lot of professional dresses are fitted and not stretchy. And most nursing clothes are t-shirt material, cotton, um, you know, some polyester spandex, but mostly just stretchy cotton. And I was trying to figure out how can we have access without having that stretch necessarily. And then to your point where your body's changed too, but having the flexibility for like, I'd imagine, and you can, I've never had kids, but um, your body's probably changing on an almost weekly basis in some aspects. Well, and hourly basis, if you, some women have like a dramatic increase or decrease of their cup size before and after they pump. So you have to have a little flexibility um, in your bra and in your dress so that you aren't uncomfortable for half your day, you know, if you haven't pumped yet. So interesting. So then tell me then what were those when you're ripping apart this, this secondhand dress, what were the main considerations that you had? What were the like non-negotiable, these things have to exist for this to be a useful piece of clothing? So Basically, I just wanted, you know, boob access (laughs) on the front. I wanted to be able to not take the entire half of the dress off or the whole dress off to be able to pump, but also have closure so that you wouldn't have a wardrobe malfunction. You know, over the course of your workday, you obviously want to stay professionally dressed and for it to look not like a nursing or pumping dress, but like a regular professional dress. And so I wanted that access to be really subtle. Um, And then you know, figuring out how to make it work without it just being stretchy pull-up fabric was hard. Like I, you know, experimented with elastic. I ended up landing on a zipper and a magnet on each side of the bus to make it work. Um, but that was definitely a challenge. So how how did you go about then making the functionality? Tell me about the process of like partnering with somebody else to, you know, the factories and finding the trimming. And I know for you, it's been a very high consideration to produce in the U.S. as well. So walk me through the actual design process from ideation to production. Sure. So um, I had no idea what I was doing (laughs) because working in public policy and also just living in the D.C. area, there is not a fashion industry here. There is, you know, it's not New York. It's not LA. Um, So I did find a pattern maker in Baltimore who I was able to visit with in person. 
and I showed him my prototype and I showed him my drawings and some, you know, some examples of dresses online, you know, that were currently out, you know, this is the style I want, but I wanted to do this. And he was great and helped work out, okay, these are the two styles we're going to go with. Um, one is a more stretchy style that's a three-quarter sleeve. Um, and then the sleeveless style is uh, more fitted and formal. So he was really helpful. He had a lot of experience in the fashion industry. He did pattern and sample making. And then COVID hit. <laughs> so we were in the middle of that process. And my daughter was nine months old at the time. And all of a sudden, no one needed professional clothing. And so... I was like, well, I guess we'll pause on this. I don't know. You know, are people going to go back in the office? What are people going to wear when they go back in the office? Um, and now we know the answer to that. It took a really long time, but people are back in the office. However, as you have mentioned on your podcast many times, things have changed. It's different now. Um, there are plenty of women who still need to dress professionally, especially, you know, lawyers, people who work in government like me and banking or business. Um, but the percentage of people who are wearing business formal clothing has decreased and the percentage of people going in person has decreased. Um, so the need is still there, but that was tough to navigate. Like, is this a viable business idea when the landscape has changed so much? Right. But when when things picked back up, I was able to work with the pattern maker to finish the prototypes. And then um, I did a fashion accelerator program called Factory 45. And I ended up finding a manufacturer in New York to work with. Um, it was really important to me to manufacture ethically, which is easiest to do in the US when you're doing small batches. Um, I would love to be able to manufacture abroad if I can find an ethical manufacturer in the future. And Hopefully I'll be manufacturing more dresses at a time. Um, but it was really important to me because so many fashion industry workers are women and moms and to have them have their labor taken advantage of in order to make something for a mom doesn't feel right in a lot of ways. So that was definitely really important to me. Well, and that leads me to your work in government and then your clothing line. Tell me how that those worlds have then collided for you. Yeah, so I think becoming a mom was certainly eye-opening to realize how difficult it is to be a working mom and to be a working parent in the United States. We just don't have a lot of the societal supports that a lot of other countries have, unfortunately. One of those is parental leave. Um, so I helped work on the parental leave law for state employees in Maryland. And through that kind of learned more about what policies exist in other countries and just what the landscape is like here in the U.S. And it's all gotten worse since COVID. <laughs> There's more of a childcare shortage. Um, you know, the costs of housing and groceries and childcare have all gone up and families are really struggling. Um, and the majority of families are two working parent households, but our school system and childcare system are not actually set up to respond to that. <laughs> and we haven't figured out a way to make it work. Um, and I feel like there is already a lot of pressure on moms to quote unquote bounce back after having a baby and to, you know, hop right back into work after, you know, if they're lucky, 12 weeks of paid leave, but a lot of women don't get that. And then to pump and to figure out working as much as you did before, but also pick up your kid from daycare and also pump multiple times a day 
and look professional and do everything that you were doing before. There's just a lot. Um, and I feel like until you're in it, it's difficult to, um, see how challenging parenthood is in this day and age. And I think a lot of our legislators are of an older generation, um, where there were less demands on families on a day-to-day basis. And there are also not enough moms in office who can speak to the issues that they're dealing with on a daily basis. So I think it's really important for moms to be involved in policymaking because I feel like um, unless we do that, our needs and and the needs of our kids aren't going to be fully uh, reflected in those policies. Which, I mean, we're seeing happening now where it's there's more of a need than ever to have support and infrastructure around helping moms. You know, we, I think, talked about it recently where there's even this weird gap between camps and back to school or school days are shorter. And then what do you do from, you know, one o'clock to five o'clock um, for, you know, child care? Like what, you know, and we do have more working households where both both parents are working or single moms. There's just so many considerations. And so I would ask you, what advice would you have for moms going back to work who do need a space for pumping? Like, how do you even, uh, let's say your managers and, you know, who you're reporting to is a, a lot of men. Like, how do you, what advice would you have to even broach that topic of like, I need a space you know, and I need this time. And you know, how would you how would you suggest people start to navigate those that climate? Right. Yeah. Um, I think thankfully, there are a lot of big companies who have lactation rooms, there's a system set up, etc. But um, not everyone has that. And especially if you work kind of in a small division of a larger company, they might not know how to deal with it. They might not have had a mom come back from maternity leave in a long time. Um, the laws have actually recently changed. Um, thankfully, now there's more pumping protections in the U.S., which is great. Um, so I would say if you have HR to reach out to HR before you have your baby, um, establish, you know, I plan to pump when I come back from maternity leave. Where can I pump? You know, they're required by law to provide a locked private space that is not a bathroom. Um, you know, if possible, it's great to have a refrigerator that you can use that other people aren't using. Um, you know, the gold standard is having a lactation room that is solely for pumping moms that has a fridge and a sink, and that's all that it's used for. Some companies have wellness rooms or, you know, conference call rooms that lots of different people are in and out of every day. Um, so I think it's important for moms to advocate for themselves, block off time on their calendars every day too, so that your coworkers and your boss remember and also respect that time. Um, and then also for if you have a space that's being shared with other people, make sure that you're advocating for yourself that you are getting the time that you need because someone using it for a conference call is very different than you needing to pump at a certain time. Um, which can lead to medical issues, right? Like if a mom doesn't pump when she's supposed to pump, she could end up with a clogged duct or an infection and mastitis, which can lead to hospitalization. Like it is actually important and isn't just a convenience that a lot of employers treat it as. So it's hard to advocate for yourself and to feel like, oh, I'm going to be gone for, you know, however long, three months. And it's such a burden on everyone and then coming back and then feeling like you're burdening people more, but it's really important not to feel like a burden and that you, you know, 
you deserve this, you have a legal right to it. Um, and when you're advocating for yourself, it's important to remember that you're advocating for the moms that are coming after you too. And that I think helped me to think about moms who were in my position. If I could make it easier for them in the future, it was easier to ask for what I needed instead of just thinking about myself. I think that's such an important message too of if I, you kind of have to put your own nerves or your own whatever fears you have aside, if you think collectively, like the more I normalize this and the more I make it known that I deserve this, that there are laws protecting me, then other women see that or whoever you're speaking to, to set up these, make sure that, you know, the proper channels are met to give you the access that you need, then it becomes more normal instead. You know, there always has to be a disruptor in order to make change and to be that disruptor. It's I love that you're thinking about the other women behind you that now you've made it a little bit easier for them and you've let the company know, like, these are the rights. This is legally what you have to do to make this a safe environment for me physically and emotionally and you know, bodily yes. for all those, all those needs, which, you know, I, I think I didn't realize all of this. So I've already learned so much. Where can, where can somebody find all of um, the policy protecting them and their rights? Is there a website or an easy resource? So, so there are multiple, I mean, of course you could go like read the actual law on a government website, <laughs> which might be a little bit too much, but um, Sarah Wells makes pumping bags. So they're to carry your your work stuff and your pump back and forth to work. Um, and her website has a lot of great um, information on it about the pump act and what your rights are. So I would say that is a good place. Um, it's just a good resource. She's awesome. And her bags are awesome. She's a another small business owned by a mom, but she's been around much longer. So chamber of mothers is an organization that advocates for paid leave and other, um, you know, policies that, affect moms and they have information on their website as well. Beautiful. Thank you. Now let's go back to Katie Jane. Tell me where you got the name. So Catherine is my oldest daughter's middle name and Jane is my youngest daughter's middle name. And they are also, Catherine is my grandmother's middle name and Jane was my mom's middle name. So, um, you know, they were named after them. And just when thinking about names. There were lots of kitschy mom, milk, whatever <laughs> things that we tried to come up with. It just seemed too, too much, not the right vibe <laughs> at all. And, um, you know, my girls are why I ended up doing this, you know, how I even realized that this was a problem and what inspired me to um, go to work and to pump every day and go through all of that. So it felt fitting to name the company after them. That's really beautiful. Um, and so you said you have two styles of dresses right now. Mm -hmm. You've got a three-quarter sleeve and a sleeveless. And do they come in? There's multiple colors for each. Yes. So each dress comes in three colors. Um, and so the Yvonne dress is the sleeveless. I'm wearing the sleeveless Yvonne in blue. <laughs> um, and then the Larissa is the three-quarter sleeve dress. And so both of them could be dressed up or down. Both of them could be worn with blazers, but the Larissa with the three-quarter sleeve um, is just a little more versatile, I feel like, for business casual or business formal. The Yvonne really looks like a fitted business formal dress. 
Well, I like with the um, three quarter two, I've seen the styles and you'll be able to see them online is that it also could work for events. Like we have a mutual wedding to go to that. it. I think it's thinking outside the business box too. And that also when you're going to events or a cocktail thing or something, mm-hmm. you're probably going to need to pump if you're there right. for, you know. Right. Well, someone yeah. mentioned to me that um, it would be great for a baptism because their son was baptized and the priest walked in on them breastfeeding in the, behind the altar. <laughs> what do you think about, you know, pumping in an office, then somebody walking in on you, that's awkward, but the priest walking in on you. <laughs> you're breastfeeding. It's just one of those things you don't think of that you really you really need addressed with, you know, breastfeeding or pumping access. Uh, that you can quickly cover, right? I mean Right. Moms can breastfeed and uncovered if they want to, but there are some situations where if you're not comfortable, it's nice to be able to be as covered as you want to be. <laughs> well, and to your point, if you also don't want it earlier, or if you don't want your whole top exposed, like you're wearing a jumpsuit, you know, that consideration of you're wearing a jumpsuit and feeling exposed or cold or vulnerable. Right. Um, do you have a an embarrassing pumping experience? Or breastfeeding experience? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I would say I pumped a lot of places. There were a couple close calls with the curtain. There was a secretary of a department in the state of Maryland who was like trying to talk to me and almost opened the curtain. And I had to like scream. I I, like screeched, I think, (laughs) which was really embarrassing. Thankfully, he didn't end up opening the curtain, but it was just an awkward experience. But I would also pump in the car, which is probably not super safe. If you're in an accident, it wouldn't be the best. But lots of moms pump on the way to and from work if that's the only time they can. And so I would be on the highway Bra out, pumping, <laughs> waving, waving to the big wheel next to you, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, and there were a couple times where I wore a regular dress with a zipper down the back, and so I would strip down half naked, put my seatbelt on, and then a lot of times I would like try and put a scarf or something sort of over me, so yeah, I wouldn't get double takes <laughs> while driving on the highway. But it's better when you have something that has the access. Um, so, um, before we wrap up, I just had, um, a question that I would love to ask just as being a mom, you had more experience than maybe some people listening. What would you say is your best advice for a mom transitioning back to work after maternity leave and managing, you know, even from a style lens of the transition, your body transition, and then from the lens of just like helping with overwhelm. Yeah, it is. It's very overwhelming. Um, (laughs) My husband and I, after our first daughter was born, a couple weeks into being parents, we said to each other, what did we do with our time? Like, we don't even remember what we did with all of our time. But now we're changing diapers and washing bottles and breastfeeding. There was just so much to do all of a sudden. And so it is overwhelming then adding work back into it. But I will say the encouraging thing is getting back to work felt good in a way because there was routine, there was some normalcy, like maternity leave is this like crazy land where you're just trying to get as much sleep as you can. And um, hopefully it's wonderful bonding time with your baby, but it can also be, you know, a sleep deprived, stressful time for, for some parents. But 
the routine of going back to work can be really helpful. Um, I think for feeling kind of like yourself again, because you lose yourself a little bit after you have a baby because it's a whole new world. Um, And I would say to be patient with your body and also to be patient with yourself. You're not going to get back to work, first of all, and look exactly the same as you did when you left (laughs) or before you got pregnant. And you're not going to maybe be as productive or know, you know, where each piece of a project is because you've been out for three months and you're not expected to. And so don't expect yourself to know everything and jump right back in. Um, I feel like we sometimes put more pressure on ourselves than other people do, even though there's plenty of pressure from outside. And so try to be patient and kind to yourself more than anything. And those first couple of days where your kid is off at daycare with the nanny, they're tough because you're tired from going to work and you're missing your baby and it's, it's hard, but it does get better. And once you get into a routine, I feel like there is just this sense of calm that comes with it, even though it's a lot and it's overwhelming, but just trust that you are going to feel more like yourself. Great advice. What would you say was the biggest surprise in terms of your body changing that happened after um, each girl? Was it different with the first than the second? I was going to say it was very different. Yeah. (laughs) So my youngest, Rosie, she was a chonker and (laughs) and was taking in like way more milk and her milk, like you can see how fatty the milk is because once you refrigerate it, like the, the fat goes to the top. And with her, her milk was totally different than my first daughter's. It was like skim milk the first time around. And so I lost more weight much more quickly after the second pregnancy because I was producing higher fat milk for her, which like there's no way your body is just making the milk that your baby needs. There's no way to like magically change that. So that was a pleasant surprise, I guess, <laughs> after having her. Um, but it's just, it fluctuates so much, like how much your baby is drinking, what type of milk your body's producing. I don't know if you know this, but when your baby gets a cold, your milk is different and your body is like making antibodies for them to, for them to get better faster. Your body is doing like magical things. It's just not always a fun ride <laughs> for the mom <laughs> to be on. Um, but yeah, I think riding the wave and just being patient and wearing things that make you feel good, even if they're not the exact clothes that you wore before you were pregnant. I think that is really important to just meet yourself where you are in this moment um, and meet your needs, whether you're pumping or whether you just want to feel good, but not, um, I don't know, not trying to like force yourself back into whatever it is you wore or felt like you needed to wear before you got pregnant. It sounds to me that it's the, the, the thing I'm always preaching is honor your body and celebrate your body for all of the hard work that it's doing. I mean, that's amazing. I did not know all of that, that your body is literally producing what it needs to produce. And that if we are honoring that instead of fighting what your body needs and meeting meeting your body where it is and celebrating it for being strong, for being this amazing, beautiful product that's just help helping this crazy transition that you're going through and that just ride the wave together, right? And yes. dress yes. it as where it is now. I'm like, you need to be this way now. And so we're going to celebrate it in the way that feels good. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Molly. I learned so much. Like I said, I don't have children of my own. And so for me, it's even so helpful to hear even more what the journey is and what's, you know, the, the pain points and the challenges and the celebrations that come through, through motherhood. Um, how can the listeners find Katie Jane online and order? Sure. So our website is shopkatiejane.com and Katie is spelled with a K. And then on Instagram, you can find us at, at Katie Jane Co. And I would love to hear from you moms out there, working moms, whether you're pumping or not, I would love to connect. So love it. We will tag all of that in the show notes. And thank you again so much. And as you go about your days, whether you're transitioning from having kids, going back to work, whatever that is, just remember to wear who you are and celebrate your body where it is. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining another Wear Who You Are Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Be sure to follow along for episode news, updates, and other bonus style insights on Instagram through my business account at BU Style. That's the letters B, U, and Style. Or my personal account at Natalie underscore Tincher. And don't forget to subscribe to Where Who You Are wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again. See you next time.